You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 62, a Christopher Morell miracle. Crowley, don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Facebook. You can email us also, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley joining me today from an undisclosed location. Uh, I'm surprised you're sober at this point, Crowley, after a Christopher Morell miracle last night at Wrigley Field. Well, we were about to have a completely different show, weren't we? It's it's funny how when you're writing these <laughs> when you're writing these scripts, and all of a sudden, that's the beauty of baseball, man. That's that, that's that's really what it comes down to. Is just one, all of a sudden, it can turn just like that. Was it going into the eighth of game number two last night? A eighteen uh, percent chance that the Cubs were going to come back to win. We'll get into that in a minute, but first. We'll get into uh, the Kyle Hendricks versus Tukey Toussaint game. And you were at that game, Crowley. I was at that one. And let me just say something, man. Look, I understand people have different ways to get money. But if we're in a playoff push, can we not sell the White Sox fans? Like, I know StubHub and all that stuff. But you can't find a friend that's a white a Cubs fan to to let him go to the game. That just irritates me a little bit. It was a frustrating game in general, as you can tell. There were White Sox fans last night, huh? When I was there and, and last night too, man, be, be there to cheer on the Cubs. Don't be there to try to make some money. Um, speaking of frustrated though, Kyle Hendricks, man, I, I actually, we snuck into some really good seats and I was really close. Uh, and I got to watch Kyle and boy, was he pissed off. He was just the victim of a lot of bad luck in the first two inning. The problems for Hendricks started with one out in the first when he walked Andrew Benatendi. That's on him. He shouldn't have done that. Okay, whatever. Can't walk that guy. But then Luis Roberts going to hit a weak single to left. We're going to talk about exit velocity, how fast the ball goes off the bat. On that single, it was a 72 miles per hour. So that is nothing. Uh, basically, if you barrel a ball up, the exit velocity is 98 or higher. So 72 is a weak hit single, which is what Robert did. So now you got two on. And then Eloy Jimenez hits a dribbler that traveled nine feet up the third baseline to load the bases. Then he gets Jan Mokata to hit into one uh, into what looked like a double play, but the ball was only hit at 63 miles per hour, so it was too slow to turn the double play. So a run scores, the Cubs are down one nothing. These are the <laughs> cheapest hits in the world, and, right. and, and 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 you know very frustrating. But the Cubs were able to take the lead in the bottom of the inning. We talked about this last time. Tuki Toussaint strikes out a lot of guys, walks a guy, a lot of guys, and Talkman led off the game with a walk, and Ian Happ who has been struggling mightily, hits a two-run homer to right center. But the lead did not last long as Kyle Hendricks will continue to get punished by the Babip gods. Yasmani Grandal hit a single to start the second with an exit below of, wait for it, 72 miles an hour. Then Oscar Colas hit one four feet, but that allowed <laughs> Grandal to reach second with one out. And then Zach Remillard singled on a bunt with an exit below of 28 miles per hour to put runners at the corners. Remlar would steal second and Alvis Andres would single two runs would score and the Sox were back up three to two. After that, Hendricks threw six innings. He allowed seven hits and only three runs with two walks and four strikeouts. Another quality start for Kyle. But the problem were that those five of those quote unquote hits came in the first and second innings and the average exit velocity against Hendricks was 74.6 miles per hour. So they just weren't hitting it hard, but they were putting it where the players weren't little, little squibbers, 
balls that just duck snorts had died in between the infielders and outfielders, nothing. It wasn't like they were hitting them hard. Yeah, it was super frustrating. That's a great word for it. They were not hitting him hard, but they, this is the argument versus soft contact, right? Or, uh, versus missing bats and Kyle, you know, doesn't miss a lot of bats. Um, a lot of soft contact. We heard that on the TV broadcast, almost to, uh, nauseous the amount of times we heard them talking about um, exit velo. If it was a drinking game, Crowley, I would have been drunk by the start of the third inning for as many times as Boog mentioned uh, exit velo. But the uh, pitching and that the, the luck that the Cubs weren't having was not the only frustrating part. The offense awfully frustrating too, especially with Tuki Toussaint on the hill. Right. And if you remember in the last episode, I said I, I kind of predicted a split. I felt like they were going to have trouble with Clevenger, but I thought that they could get to Tuki Toussaint. And he was exactly as advertised, what Gabe Ramirez talked about the last show, right? A lively arm, um, but not a lot of control. He only went four innings. He gives up three runs on three hits. He struck out four, but walked five batters, Dustin. Five batters in four innings. But the Cubs only made him pay once for that. Yep, only Talkman once. The runners with scoring position is a thing as usual. Right. Talkman went ahead, uh, walked ahead of the Ian Happ homer. None of the other four walks came back to hurt him. In the third, Nico singled with one out, and then Ian Happ struck out, but the White Sox and Toussaint with Nico on second chose to walk Cody Bellinger. Hmm. What a, hmm. What a novel idea. Don't let the guy that can crush the ball damage you. Wow. Well, we'll see about that. Who would have so, thought that, who would have thought that uh, Pedro Grafol would outmanage David Ross? Hmm. <laughs> Dansby Swanson struck out, so the choice to pitch around Bellinger worked. Say a Suzuki would hit a solo home run off Toussaint in the fourth to tie the game, but to me, the key turning point was in the fifth inning. Tukey led off the inning by walking Nico Horner, and his day was done. Tanner Banks comes in on relief, and Nico steals second. You got runners at second, no outs, tie game, weak Sox bullpen, heart of the Cubs lineup, Hap would line out, Bellinger would fly out, and Swanson would ground out to end the threat. So runner at second, no out, heart of your lineup, you get nothing. And that would have been the start of the Sox bullpen dominance as their pen pitched five innings and gave up no runs, no walks, only two hits, and completely shut down the Cubs. Yeah, it was really, really, really frustrating. But this game was going to get even more frustrating as we keep going. Right. With, with the game still tied in the seventh, Julian Merriweather was the first out of the pen. He quickly gets first two outs. So you got nobody on base. Luis Robert at the plate, participant in the home run derby, came into the game with 31 homers. And Julian Merriweather hung a 2-2 cement mixer that Roberts crushed to left field. We're, we've been talking about weak exit velocity. That one was out 110 miles per hour, no doubt. Yeah, the, park, the park barely held it, Crowley. The park barely held the ball in. Now, Dustin, after getting torched for four home runs in three games by Pete Alonzo of the Mets, you think you would have learned your lesson and not let the one player on the opposing team do damage to beat you, Right. But the Sox are now ahead four to three. Thankfully, Dustin, um, you guys on the Mully and Haw show uh, in the morning, uh, every other week at nine have Tommy Hadovy. And so this is what he talked about when you guys asked him, why pitch to Luis Robert? Why? Let's understand last night a little bit better. Julian Merriweather's on the mound. Luis Roberts at the plate. It's four to four. And, uh, or it's a tie game. And you, you look at, I'm sorry, three to three. Mm -hmm. And it's two outs. 
and you get him 0-2, then it's 2-2. Eloy Jimenez is on deck, who's not hitting great right now. Did you want to pitch around him? Did you want to challenge him? Do you regret how that unfolded? Because obviously, Luis Robert got the best of Merriweather, hit the home run that made the difference. Take us through that at bat. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, like go, leading into the series, right? We always talk in, in a pregame series just about who do we not want to beat us? You know, how do we want to handle some of these moments? Um, but also, you know, understanding that, you know, pitching around guys, you, you still have to do it the right way, right? I think in that situation, you get 0-2 right away on Luis. Obviously, we know he's a dangerous hitter no matter what the count is. And, you know, Luis took one good chase slider below the bounce and then fouled off, you know, some fastballs and sliders just getting to that point. You know, Julian is not trying to throw that pitch for a strike 100%. You know, he knows and understands that, you know, we're trying to keep that to chase and we're, we're going to let him try to get himself out. And, and if we walk him, we walk him in that situation. I think, it, you know, sometimes, you know, we all forget they're human beings and and you can make physical mistakes, and, and but your mind can be in the right place. And, and, you know, we talked about that in the New York series with Pete Alonso. You know, we knew he was a really good hitter and we didn't want to give him anything, you know, too good to hit. But you can't think of it in a defensive, like a defensive way. You still have to be aggressive because if you start being defensive, you start backing off. That's when you start pulling pitches like what you saw. All those, all those hits, guys were trying to pitch in off the plate or go to chase off away and just made mistakes. And, and it happens, and good hitters make you pay for those. So, you know, I think for Julian, you know, talking through that with him, he definitely understood the situation, understood the count, the game score, and all those things, just, just didn't get that slider to chase. His slider has been his – best pitch of the year you know he's he's had a great done a great job of commanding that pitch in the strike zone but also being able to get it to chase when he needs to so you're going to go down with your best pitch and and pitching around guys with your best pitch is still an effective way to do it so it just obviously just didn't work out for us last night but the thought process and, and the approach was still in the right in the right place so interesting by good explanation by Tommy, you know, people make mistakes. I still didn't see how they pitched around uh, Pete Alonzo, but I will digress. Yeah. But um, there was also an argument the other day on marquee during the pregame between not an argument, but a heated debate between Lance Brostowski. He was on your show this morning and Cliff Floyd and Cliff Floyd was angry. Give him the fastball. Try to blow it by him. Go high, go low. But again, people make mistakes. He's right on that. And, and, that was a mistake, but you know, the Sox were now ahead because that Luis Robert home run four to three in the bottom of the eighth against a lefty Cody Bellinger hit one 359 feet to right, but is caught by Oscar Colas 12 inches away from a basket home run. Dustin fell a little short as did the Cubs as they lose five to three. Alzali gave up a run in the ninth and the Cubs went down meekly in their half of the inning. The offense scored three runs on five hits. The difference in this game, Dustin, the White Sox were four for nine with runners in scoring position while the Cubs were one for six. Yeah. You, when you go one for six with runners in scoring position, you are not going to win very many games. And the Cubs lost that game. Also a interesting David Ross ejection during that game. Yeah, he was ejected and it was weird because I was trying to figure out what's going on. It happened like right in front of me and he's really heated. Uh, Lane Ramsey came into the game in the six. He had this weird leg rocking motion before coming set. And you could see Mike Napoli pointing and yelling at the umps. 
and they're not calling anything. And so after the inning's over in the top of the seventh, Ross comes out and he gets heated and he gets the old heave ho. Um, Nico Horner did record his 30th stolen base, the first Cubs since Tony Campana in 2012 to steal 30 bases in a season. Also, Kyle Hendricks made his 13th career start against the White Sox, tying him for most in franchise history with Carlos Zambrano. How about this one? You love these old nicknames, Dustin, so I put it in here for you. He passed Hippo Vaughn for eighth place on the Cubs' all-time strikeout leader with 1,140. That's amazing, first of all, that the guy's name was Hippo. Well, we'll start there. And the fact that you don't think of Kyle Hendricks as a strikeout guy. So it just shows like his longevity, right? The fact that he has moved into eighth place. If you would have put, I would have never guessed he was in the top 10, but his longevity is there and he's pitched a long time with the Cubs. So when you strike out five or six or four a game for forever, relations to him. Right. And so now I'm upset because that was the one that I kind of had marked as them winning. I didn't like the matchup of Asa- of Clevenger Assad again. I didn't know what to expect from Assad. He's uh, just making another spot start. And, and, you know, we get some, you know, bad news before Tuesday's game. We'll get into that later. But in this game, right, Javier Assad, once again, another quality start. He didn't give up a hit until the fourth inning. With one out in the fourth, Andrew Benatendi singled, followed by a Luis Robert, uh, Robert single that hopped up and away from Ian Happ to put runners at second, third. That's an error on Happ, but I was at the game, like I said, Tuesday, and you could see the damage done on the field because of the concerts. So I'm not trying to make an excuse for Ian Happ. I just wonder because that hopped up really funky. Um, oh, it worked wild- both ways for both teams. He is not playing, Crawley, he is not playing a, uh, a gold glove uh, left field this year. No, nobody, nobody's going to say that. But when, when I looked at that individual play and then like my season tickets are up high so I can see the whole, uh, they're the first de- row of the upper deck. I could see everything. I can see where the damage, where, where the field, where the stage was and that kind of stuff. If it hits it in a certain way, maybe it didn't against the White Sox. It surely did on that play, I think. And so with runners at second and third, um, Assad threw a wild pitch. The White Sox lead one nothing. Luckily, Cody Bellinger made a brilliant play at first when he caught a Jan Mokata line out and threw out Luis Robert to end that threat. So good there. But in the fifth, Andrew Vaughn walked followed by a Gavin Sheets home run and the Cubs were down three to nothing. But Dustin, as we were talking about earlier, glad to see the club Cubs learn their lesson in the sixth inning with one out, Andrew Benatendi doubled and Assad intentionally walked Luis Robert. What happens? Yuan Moncada popped out to short and Andrew Braun grounded out and the inning was over. See how easy that works. Assad, six innings, gave up four hits, three runs, two of them earned, four walks and two Ks. Another very good start for Assad. Yeah, that two earned runs, we'll take that every day of the week, right? Six innings pitch, two earned runs, you take that every time he goes out there. No problem with that at all. Walks a little higher than you'd like, but otherwise, real nice outing by him. Right. Now, I, I told you before that I just did not like Clevenger, and he he looked weird. He looked like Mickey Rourke. He looked all bloated and strange and he does that weird wind I, I do not like the guy like, sorry he's like straight out of typecasting for White Sox fans if you if you I mean he just <laughs> looks like he's a White Sox fan on top of it I just ugh. absolutely he looked like the guy that attacked the Royals third base coach that William Leguminous guy but um Clevenger had his best performance as a White Sox going seven innings giving up three hits seven K's and two walks he had the Cubs hitters off balance all night. They had their chances. Two on and no outs in the first after a Talkman walk and Horner hit by pitch. Ian hit a soft grounder, and the Cubs had runners at second and third and one out. 
but Clevenger struck out Bellinger and Swanson to end threat. They also stranded runners in the fourth when Ian Happ and Bellinger started off with singles in the inning, but Swanson was robbed of a hit by Andrew Benatendi on a nice sliding catch. Christopher, for, Christopher Morell flied out, and then Jaime Candelario walked to load the bases, but Seiya Suzuki lined out to center. Still no runs for the Cubs. Dustin, looked like the Cubs were dead and, and, and that they would be swept by the Sox, but things changed in the eighth. Top of the eighth, Jose Cuas comes into the game, gives up a single, a wild pitch. He walks Tim Anderson and Andrew Benatendi to load the bases, no outs. Worst outing for him since he came to the Cubs. That's That was it for Kuas, and Michael Fulmer comes into the game. Bases loaded, no outs. They're already down 3 nothing, and the White Sox are looking to put this away and take their crosstown cup. But Fulmer strikes out the next three batters, Luis Roberts, Yuan Moncada, and Andrew Vaughn. That was key, and that's the momentum shift right there. Absolutely, amen. And I think, Crawley, he did it on 11 or 12 pitches. Right, almost immaculate. It was, it was, it was amazing. Then... Nick Madrigal, who we haven't heard much of ever since, obviously, Candelario comes in. He comes into the eighth to pinch it for Tucker Bardhart. And of all the guys against his own team, he puts a basket home run to left to make it three to one. I mean, unbelievable. You, you would have smart. never guessed that he was going to do that. Never in a million years. I wonder what that would have paid out, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Drew Drew Smiley pitches a scoreless nine, so I'll tip, tip of the hat to him there. And Gregory Santos, who I saw on Tuesday night, who looked really good, came on to close the ninth. But the Cubs got to see him that night before. Cody Bellinger led off the inning with a double. Dansby Sonson draws a walk. And up comes Christopher Morell. Now, we know Morell was on the cold list. He's been struggling. He falls behind quickly 0-2. But on a one-two pitch, Santos throws a 99.5-mile-per-hour sinker that did not sink. Morell hits one into the bleachers and right center for a three-run walk-off home run. Morell had the most enthusiastic run you've ever seen around the bases since David Bodie hit that grand slam in 2018. He sprinted around the bases. His team mobs him. They rip his shirt off. It was magic. A lot, now, of, uh, lot of magic that night. Crowley and uh, they needed to a little magic going from the uh, Fulmer to Madrigal and then to the man of the hour, uh, Christopher Morell. Let me tip my hat. Uh, Marquis did a phenomenal job. If you watched it that whole ninth inning, but especially the call of the home run by Boog was great. They did a lot of cool camera work. They had drones going off. It looked really, really good. Now I have watched that play 20 times since it happened, at least minimum. I've listened to Boog and JD, Rat Pat and Ron. I listened to Ben Attendee and Stone and Len Casper. But the best call of the moment was by friend of the podcast. He's been a guest, Miguel Esparza. I got to play this for you. And if you have a chance, whenever you watch a game, even if you don't speak Spanish, maybe you learn a little bit, hit the SAP button. This was Miguel's call of the play. <laughs> I love that guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we played that this morning as well uh, to start off the, uh, I believe, the 8 o'clock hour of our show today. Great call. Great call by Miguel. I'm going to see him tonight. I can't wait. I love this guy. Give him a big hug. But the Cubs should have been swept in the series, Dustin. 
In, in game two, the Cubs had only three hits in the first seven innings. They were one pitch away from having their playoff hopes derailed by losing two to the Sox. But guess what? Even when everyone else counts this team out, they keep fighting. This season has had its ups and downs. They were 10 games under. They could have quit at any time, but they don't. They believe in each other. And to me, Dustin, seeing Swanson and Bellinger celebrate with Morrell, you see how this team just supports each other. They're there for each other. They wanted to get a shot at a playoff run. And rather than seeing their team broken up during the trade deadline and, and, and Jed's rewarded them and they, they keep believing in themselves. And to me, Dustin, it'll be interesting to see how far their faith in each other will take them if they make the postseason. Yeah, they're definitely uh, facing the pressure and then doing the best that they can with it. No doubt about that.